0: You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. And it really is such a such a privilege to be a part of this series that you've been in, out of the dark, and we're talking about how to how to navigate the depression that can come into our lives, the feelings, the emotions that we feel as humans. And God created us to be emotional beings, and we don't always know what to do with those feelings and how to handle them and manage them in a biblical way, in a healthy way. And so we're learning that here in this, uh, in this series. And how many of you know that in our culture, we have a lot of ways to express our feelings? We have a lot of ways to express our emotions. One of those ways is emojis. And some of you I see you you are you are an emoji artist. You always know the exact emoji to plug in there. I have two or three that I rotate between because listen it's, it freaks me out, honestly, that I'm gonna like, send a heart to the wrong woman. And so, I just, I just stay in the shallow end of the pool when it comes to emojis. But some of you, you are emoji artists. You have the perfect emoji, you know, for, and, and, and you know, like, do I need the one single tear? Do I need the tears streaming down the face? What do I need in this situation? Let's hug the heart out. And so you know exactly, you know exactly what to put in there. And so we express ourselves in so many different ways, emotionally. Uh, food is another way we express our feelings. Your your food, we have comfort food. How many of you love comfort food? Something chocolatey, something sweet, something salty. I've been traveling a lot of this week, a lot this week. I left sunny palm tree, Florida to come back to the northeast yesterday. I was feeling a little down, so Pastor Jeremy and I went out. I got a big plate of nachos smothered in cheese. And I felt better. And so we, we have food. We express our emotions through our clothes. Even what we wear is a statement at times of how we're feeling. You know, you're wearing a swimsuit that says, I better get to the gym. But you put on sweatpants, now that's a different message. Nah, you look good, girl. You look good, brother, when you're wearing the sweatpants. And so we express our emotions in all of these different ways. I think the number one way, though, we express our feelings is through music. There is a song for every feeling. Songs give, you know, voice to the soul. And so, no matter what you're feeling, uh, there's a song, you got that love and feeling. You know, For me, give me a little John Legend. Cause all of me loves all of you. All your curves and all your edges. All your perfect imperfection. You're videoing this, what in the world? I miss my wife, you can tell. I'm traveling. And so, you know, we got all of the we got all of the emotions we can get in there in music. You're feeling sad, you know, you just went through a breakup. Maybe you can't figure out what's the status of this relationship. Am I in? Am I out? You know, on a scale of 1 to Drake, how sad are you feeling? Like there's a there's a song. You're going through a breakup. Like there's a Taylor Swift song for that. There's an Adele song for that. Coming from, coming from Philly, you know, we'll go a little old school. Although we've come to the end of the road. Come on, you can make me do this by myself. Still I won't let go. It's unnatural. I mean, no matter what you're feeling, you're feeling a little pumped up. You're going to the gym. Dun, 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 dun. That's our contribution to the world. You're welcome from Philadelphia. Right there. You've seen people, yeah. You've seen people at the gym, they got the earbuds in, and they're like in their own little world, just running around the gym. Because they're hearing something that you're not hearing. I mean, music, it transports us into, into the feel. I mean, you're, ha- you're feeling happy, there's a Pharrell song for that. You're feeling angry, just about any song from the 90s. Like, just take your pick. It's a rough decade the 90s, but uh, you know, all of, the, and I think that's why I love the book of Psalms so much, because when you come to scripture, Psalms is wisdom literature, it's poetry, it is, it is lyrics literally written to music, and it gives expression, it gives expression to the real and the raw emotions and feelings that we, that we experience as human beings. And so I want to take you today to Psalm chapter three, and one of the beautiful things about the psalms that we sometimes forget is that these were not just written in a vacuum. These psalms come out of the real stories and circumstances of people's lives. And this psalm here in Psalm chapter three, you can cross-reference it to 2 Samuel 12 to 15. It comes out out of an experience in the life of King David. He was the second king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. But you can be a man, a woman after God's own heart and still go through difficult seasons in life still feel dark, still feel down, still feel angry. And so David in this psalm, if you see the title of the psalm, it's a psalm of David regarding the time David fled from his son Absalom. Absalom was his third born son, but his favorite son. His son that had so much potential, so much charisma, so much natural leadership ability. David dreamed about mentoring and developing Absalom and someday handing the kingdom over to him. He was somebody that the Bible says was handsome, he had, he had ambition and drive, and Absalom came to a place that his heart began to just wander from God and from his father, and so Absalom decided he didn't want to wait, that he wanted the throne. And so he began to work it. The guy was deceptive and he was he was sly and and so he would hang out at the town gate and and the Bible says that Absalom, you know, he had long beautiful hair. Uh, he had an expensive chariot, impressive horses. So he would just kind of drive through town in his sports car and the women would look every time he came by and he would just sit at the town gate and as people walked in and out, he would just put his arm around them and say, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, someday I'm gonna be king and I'm gonna fix all of the problems around here in this kingdom because, you know, you don't see my dad out here. He's too busy to come and spend time with you. And, but, but don't worry, you know, I got your back. I'm gonna take care of things. And, and scripture says that the hearts of the people began to turn toward Absalom. And David all of a sudden found himself betrayed by his son, betrayed by men that he thought would be loyal to him to the end of his life. He was on the run now having to flee Jerusalem into the wilderness and he's running for his life being hunted by his son, The betrayal and and the pain and the hurt. And so I want to just show you in 2 Samuel, uh, just so you can have a glimpse of what David's experiencing here. And so let's read 2 Samuel 15, verse 30. If we can just put that up on the screen so that you can see what David's going through. David walked up the road to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered and his feet were bare as a sign of mourning. And the people who were with him covered their heads and wept as they climbed the hill. And so here he is, overcome with sadness, grief, fear, pain. He's hurting. People can't even look at him as he's leaving the city. And he's losing, it feels like, everything he's worked his whole life to build. His throne, his kingdom, his reputation, his children, his family. And it all seems like it's slipping away. And out of the darkness of this moment, David writes Psalm 3. And I want to take you to Psalm chapter 3, and we're gonna study this beautiful Psalm, and it has eight verses, but look at where where he begins in verse 1. Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. Everybody say so many. So many are against me. Say so many. So many are saying, God will never rescue him. Say so many. This is this is a psalm for when life feels like it's too much. When it feels like your problems are, so many. When it feels like the bills that are piling up are, so many. When it feels like your task list at work that you can never get out in front of is just so many. When you're so overwhelmed, I think that's what David's experiencing here, overwhelm. So many emotions he can't even name them all. So many fears, he can't even write them all out. He's overwhelmed and he's feeling like, man, I don't even know if God himself can get me out of this. You ever been there? Where it just feels like you're, you're, your fears, you're, it's just, even your feeling, it's just so much. It's so many. It's too much. You're overwhelmed by life, overloaded by life. I think that we're in a season right now, individually, personally, we're going through seasons that are overwhelming, feel overloaded by life. And then collectively, think about what we're experiencing together in our world collectively. In fact, I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago, so brilliant, and this guy was talking about history. And what he said is that 100 years from now, when historians write the story of 2020 and 2021, they're not going to write it through the lens of COVID or political unrest or racial upheaval, the things that we might think are front and center. What historians will write about is the clunky way that humanity transitioned from the industrial age to the information age. Think about it. Some of us are old enough, I am, to remember when the information age started. I can remember being a kid at school that took us to the library and for the first time in my life introduced us to the internet. And now, in 20 years, It's changed everything about the world and we're plugged in all the time. Everybody has a take on everything. We're overloaded and overwhelmed by the noise and the constant connection to the news, the weather, the wars, all of the problems of the world and it feels overwhelming. The last time... Society went through a change this big, it was the late 1800s, the early 1900s, when we transitioned from being an agrarian agricultural society to an industrial society. And people were so overloaded in their personal lives then, think about it, most people were farmers, they worked for themselves, they grew what they ate. And now all of a sudden there are factories and industry and instead of working for yourself you're working for somebody else and the world was changing and people didn't know how to process it and so something came along, prohibition. Alcohol became illegal but here's what fascinated me uh, as I learned this that in in that transition as prohibition came into effect, 85% of Americans thought prohibition was a good idea. blown away. I can't remember 85% of Americans ever agreeing about anything, anytime, anywhere. But 85% of Americans thought prohibition, that alcohol should be illegal because so many people in mass were turning to alcohol. They were so overloaded, so stressed in their their lives as the world was changing around them. And and so here we are again. This is the first time we've had a change of that magnitude in over a hundred years. And we don't know how to process it all. And so in this season of just, man, I'm overwhelmed. The changes in my life are so many that we come here to Psalm chapter three, it's a gift, it's a gift. And so I wanna just give you four principles for the overwhelming moments of your life. And here's the first one, jot it down. Instinctive worship. I wanna challenge you, let your instinct when you feel overwhelmed be to go to God, like David. Look at verse three, but you, O oh Lord, Are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. David cries out to the Lord. He turns to the Lord. It wasn't pretty. It says he cried out. It's coming from a deep place of stress, from his gut. It was raw, but I love that he cries out and turns to God because honestly, I know I can relate to this. When I get overwhelmed in life, my instinct is to work harder. Man, I'm overwhelmed, I feel like I'm behind, and so I gotta try to get all this stuff done, I'm gonna get up a little bit earlier, give me a master class, help me set some goals, like, I gotta get all of this organized, and so we sometimes begin to just lean into our own strength when we feel overwhelmed, and listen, none of those things are bad things, and they all could be good things, as long as they're flowing out of a living connection to the God of the universe. If not, it's all just wasted time and energy. And so what happens in in seasons of overwhelm is that we feel like man I don't have time to just worship. I don't have time to just pray. And what we, what we miss is what prayer and worship actually is, because when you understand that prayer and worship is a connection to the creator God of the universe, then you realize that you never just pray, and you never just worship. That when you worship, when you pray, you tap into a power that is above it all that will shift something, maybe not your circumstances immediately externally, but something in you will shift. And all of a sudden there is a stability, there is a security, there is a peace, there is a joy, there is a perspective that comes that you didn't have before. I experienced it a few minutes ago. And in the first service today, I came in and my mind was kind of spinning this morning. There's some things going back home and I'm on back home. I'm trying to think about it all. And we got here into worship and we're singing about the Waymaker God who even when we can't see it, he's working. And if I'm not dead, he's not done. And as I began to just declare those words together with the worship team, something shifted in me and I came to the realization, God's got this. You need that. I need that. When we begin to worship, we get a revelation like David about who God is. And so look at what he begins to see, that God, you're my shield. He says, you know, it's not Absalom who's surrounding me. It's not Absalom's army that's surrounding me. It's you, God. You're the one really who's surrounding me. And then he says, you're my glory. Glory simply means weight. It means heaviness. And, 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 you know, when we get overloaded and overwhelmed in life, life feels heavy. We have these burdens weighing down on us. And what we forget is that God is actually heavier. God is actually weightier. And so what would happen is that if if you in your overwhelming season of life would become Overwhelmed by God instead, overwhelmed by His goodness, overwhelmed by His power, overwhelmed by His presence. God, you're my glory, and you're the lifter of my head. And I love that because when you're overwhelmed, it feels like you're drowning, like you can't keep your head above water, like you're just treading, you know, water to try to survive. And yet, God, in worship, lifts our heads up so that we can come into the light and see the truth about who he is and what he's doing. And we trade our microscope for his telescope. I think when we get overwhelmed, we get out of microscope and we start obsessing over the little things that our, our anxiety blows them up out of proportion. And all of a sudden, we're obsessing over all of the fine print details of our lives. And yet in worship, we put the microscope Down and we get a telescope that actually brings into view the things that are huge but look smaller to us. The stars and the planets and the God who created them all. So I want your instinct to be when you're overwhelmed, I cried out to the Lord, worship. And then secondly, when you're overwhelmed in life, I wanna challenge you with courageous rest. Courageous rest, how many of you know when you're overwhelmed, it takes courage to rest? Courage to take the day off. (laughs) Courage to go to bed a little bit earlier. Courage to put it in the hands of the Lord. Look at verse five. He says, I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety. Imagine that. While I was sleeping last night, God kept this whole earth spinning on its axis. (laughs) for the lord was watching over me. You know, you can you know why you can take the day off cuz God never does. He's always watching over you. He's always working out his plan for your life, always creating your future even when you have the guts to take the day off to be recreated by him. That's what recreation is. And you have been learning this in this series. This is the story of Elijah, depressed, what did God tell him? Take a nap take a walk, get something to eat. It's often our lives are out of control, our schedules, our finances that pushes us emotionally and physically to the limits. We have no margin in our lives. We're running all over the place recognizing that if you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will do it for you. And we're, as a result, overloaded and overwhelmed. And, and what we need to do is take a deep breath and rest. Here's what he says, verse six, verse six, I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Say this with me. I will not fear. Say it again. I will not fear. You know what prevents us from resting? Fear. Fear that if I take the day off, if I go to sleep, all of these balls I'm trying to juggle and all of these plates I'm trying to keep spinning in the air are going to come crashing down around me. But instead, when we disconnect and Sabbath and rest, all of a sudden we trust God and trusting God is the most practical way to disarm fear, the spirit of fear in your life. Instinctive worship, courageous rest. Number three, when you're feeling overwhelmed is honest processing. (laughs) I love this one and this is so important and honestly underrated in the Christian life. Look at what David does next here in verse seven. This is where the prayer starts to get a little interesting. Arise, O Lord. Rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Come on, can I get an amen? Some of you were like, that's in the Bible? I was just saying that last night. What? We get all stressed out in prayer, like what if I don't do it right? Like memorizing our prayers. If I don't say it perfectly, God's gonna like kick me out of prayer. Bring somebody else in. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. Yet, this is prayer. Real, raw, honest. We come before God and we pretend. Like we're bigger than it all. Like we're good with everything that's happening. When God sees your heart, God knows how stressed out you are. God can see the anger that's inside of you. What if you prayed like this? God, you know that coworker, I can't stand her. Shatter her teeth, oh God. I mean, you gotta punch somebody pretty hard to shatter their teeth in their mouth. You got a vision of them like limping into work in the morning, blood just dripping out of their jaw. They'll never make a nasty comment to me again in a meeting. God, I pray for Fred right now. I pray, Lord, tomorrow when he turns on his computer that it would short circuit, set his keyboard on fire, burn his fingers raw to the bone. Have your way, oh gracious God. <laughs> I can't pray like that, can I? You can and you should if you don't want to actually shatter his teeth yourself. So how do I actually live out Jesus' command, love your enemies? This is how, by being honest with God about how you're feeling. About process, it's, it's processing it with the Lord so that he can meet you in the secret place and quiet your heart and fill you with peace so you can go become a peacemaker. Some of us are trying to become peacemakers. We don't have the strength because we're missing the actual peace of the Lord. It comes in his presence. It comes in prayer as he gives us the supernatural power to forgive. But it starts here with honest processing with the Lord in prayer. This is fascinating to me because who's David praying about here? His son. Shatter his teeth, God. Take him out. Did David really want Absalom to be destroyed by God? Well, yes and no. It felt like he did, but he didn't really. And I can prove it to you because later in the story, when Absalom is killed in battle, they bring the news to David, and here's how David responds. 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 33. The king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. David loved his son. If he could have, he would have given his own life for Absalom to be saved. Yet here he is, shatter his teeth, O God. How do you resolve that? tension. You need to understand this about your feelings. Let me just give you three principles really quickly. Jot these down because I think this will really help you. Number one, feelings have a purpose. Feelings are not evil, neither are they holy. They can be hurtful, they can be helpful. But here's what feelings are. They are a gauge. They're like a GPS system for your soul. When you feel jealous, bitter, angry, if you will follow the breadcrumbs of those feelings, they will always take you to something that God wants to touch, that God wants to heal. That's the purpose of your feelings. Number two, feelings are not facts. Your feelings will lie to you. And that's why if you're ever gonna experience consistent breakthrough and victory in your walk with God, you've got to learn to live beyond your emotions. And then number three, feelings, how do you do that? Feelings have to surface. You have to bring feelings in a healthy way to the surface. You have to process them in a healthy way. It might be with a counselor. It might be with a therapist. It might be with a trusted friend. It might be with your community group. It might be, uh, it might be in prayer like David. You've got to bring them to the surface. Here's why unprocessed emotions don't die. They just get buried alive. And then they force their way out physically, insomnia, anxiety, panic attacks, all kinds of physiological expressions of our unprocessed emotions. Relationally, they come out. We get defensive, sarcastic with the people that we love. Start giving people the cold shoulder. Distance starts to grow in relationships, friendships, marriages, families. All because we're not bringing our feelings to the surface. Yet here's David in prayer bringing his anger, his desire for revenge, his bitterness to the surface. Giving it to God so that God can do a work in his heart. Honest. Processing, when you're feeling overwhelmed, to sit down, to pull out a journal, to say, why what am I mad about? What am I angry about? What am I sad about? What am I anxious about? To get it out. And then number four, and I wanna just leave you with this today, I wanna encourage you that when you're feeling overwhelmed, let there be an instinct to worship, courageous rest, honest processing, and as you do those things, here's where it brings you, to an optimistic outlook. An optimistic outlook. Outlook. I want to encourage you today, because David, man, his soul takes a takes a stroll in this psalm. Shatter their teeth, O God! And then here is where he ends in verse eight with a declaration: Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. He doesn't feel it, but he knows, and he declares by faith: God, you grant victory. Not some of the time, all of the time, because it's who you are. And you bless your sons and daughters, not some of the time, all of the time, because you're a good God who blesses his people. I'm praying that the Lord's gonna fill you with hope today. You're gonna leave this service. You may not know how things are gonna change or when things are gonna change or what God's grand plan is through it all, but you're going to know this, that God has a plan to bring you to a place of victory and a place of blessing where you will actually look back and say, that overwhelming season, whatever was at the heart of it, is the best thing that ever happened to me. Be encouraged. I want you to be filled with hope. God is always working. So here's David. God, I feel lost I feel alone. My problems are so many. My enemies are so many. I don't know how you're going to get me out of this. But I pray for victory. I look forward to blessing. And what did God do? God not only restored David to his throne, but God transformed that throne into an eternal throne. Into an everlasting throne. And from that eternal throne, God brought the messianic king into the world, Jesus And though David lost his rebellious son, God would use David and through his line bring into the world his perfect son who would live the life that we could not live, righteous and holy before God, who would die the death we should have died, who would be raised from the dead as the proof once and for all that when life looks the darkest, God is on the move and God is orchestrating a sunrise in your life. Resurrection sunrise. And today we believe that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us right now. He's in you. And so he's up to something. I don't know what it is but he's up to victory, he's up to blessing, he's up to favor, you are his son, you are his daughter, he's not forgotten about you, he's watching over you, he's a shield around you, he is your glory, he is heavier than your circumstances, some of you have been giving your circumstances way too much credit, you've been glorifying your circumstances, and today you're gonna begin to glorify God, you're gonna begin to lift up God, and he's gonna change something for you, Your perspective, your outlook, faith is coming, hope is coming, encouragement is coming. I believe that. God, I thank you for your holy presence. I thank you, God, that in the seasons of our lives that are heavy, where we feel overwhelmed, where we can't even process everything that's happening because it's so much that you are present, that you are near, that you are working, that you are in us, that you are around us. God, I feel you right now in this place, moving in our lives. So we lift our heads to you, God. We put down our microscope right now, we take out the telescope. We wanna see you in your greatness, in your power, in your sovereignty trust you again, to take these burdens we've been carrying and to offload them to you right now because your shoulders are broad. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.